0: Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business office design and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach, but hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of productivitybydesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. I am so excited because I brought back Jen Liddy, oh <laughs> my good friend, my writing coach. She's yeah. amazing. So Jen Thank left you her. You? You're welcome. Jen left her high school teaching career to avoid a life doomed by grading crappy ninth grade essays. <laughs> my sister-in-law is a teacher. I get that. In 2013, she made a terrifying leap into entrepreneurship and learned everything the hard way. I think that's the definition of entrepreneurship. Now, as a content creation specialist, she helps people harness their voice and improve their writing without ever having to read another tortured Romeo and Juliet essay. Come in full circle. Jen helps personal brands get out of content marketing hell, by teaching strategies that easeify, simplify, and actually make content fun. As one client said, Jen takes the UGG out of content creation. I'm quite sure I said something worse than UGG, so that wasn't me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't you. This was a non-profanity <laughs>
0: compliment. Unlike moi, who has occasional <laughs> profanity moments. Try not to do you it on here, but club. I do yeah. occasionally. And I'm well, here we are, roll with it. It's part of language. That's how I look at it. So Jen... The first time you came on, we talked a lot about content and we are going to touch on content again because you've kind of rethought a lot of the ways you look at content and how you run it. So you helped me find my voice and that and podcasting helped me find my voice when we were working together one-on-one. And one of the things I love seeing was your journey as you realize that your gift is pulling the words out of your client's brains. And, and thank God you would help me with that because now I have the words. So talk to us a little bit about that part of the journey.
1: About figuring out that this was something I was good at, you mean helping people. Yeah. So one of the gifts that I have is words. And I mean, it makes sense that I was an English teacher. I always loved to read. I loved helping my students find their way into writing. But one of the frustrating things was they just never cared enough if somebody understood what they were saying. And so that's actually part of why I wound up leaving teaching. I was teaching high school and college, and I just couldn't make them care about their communication. Then when I got in tr- into entrepreneurship, I realized that entrepreneurs really care about their message being heard. And it over the course of time, I started out as a general like you know, accountability coaching and then general business coaching. And then the more that I worked with people, I just saw that What I could do was take their many, many swirling ideas, because I work with really creative, busy-minded people like you do, and they just couldn't find the words, or the words couldn't land, or they couldn't pick it out out of the jumble in their head. So I would kind of pull the words out of their head, asking questions, saying things back to them, taking what I heard them say, and kind of just putting it back to them like, oh, this is, is this what you're trying to say? And they would say... Oh my God, yes, how did you know that? And I'm like, because you said it. You just can't usually, they have trouble writing it. So that was kind of the lane that I got into. And I just got hyper focused on staying in that lane, helping people clarify their content and have their message be heard because they want to attract the right clients. And if you're you have a muddled, muddied message, nobody can hear you. Right. I get that. I think one of the things I found
0: very quickly was um. I would be able to talk it out. So I was better verbally. So I'll do a little quick me because then mm-hmm. we can use my story as an illustration of it. Yeah, I was an English lit major and I was in the world of business. So I was into professorial corporate speak when I met you. And so I was a lot of how to. Mm-hmm. Here's how to do this don't you know how to do this instead of appealing to the emotions of my clients and so I came off as I want to be gentle with myself but I came off as kind of like better than because I knew more than you like didactic yeah not literally but just sort of here help me find words Jen (laughs) you know (laughs) it, it was kind of like oh you're looking down at me telling me what to do instead of appealing to the emotion. So I'd love for you to talk about that whole, how we use content to appeal to the emotion of our
1: listeners, our readers. Yeah. And we can talk about the how-to content because I think you're being a little hard on yourself that you came off as being like superior in any way. Like you never came off as superior, but you came off as more formal and you like a beautiful sentence. You like a beautiful sentence construction. That's just how you were, you know, the formality and the professionalism. And so it's really hard to shift into not using that when you are doing marketing. The problem with how a lot of how-to content with marketing, it's that your audience thinks they can do it because you've now told them how to do it. Well, my God, Catherine just told me exactly steps one, two, and three, but I'm still not doing it. What's wrong with me? So actually how-to content doesn't truly help our audience. And again, there's there's a plethora of how-to content out there. We have Google, we have Pinterest, we can find a how-to anywhere. But if we really want people to resonate with us, we have to find our voice and say things in our way. And when you were writing your professorial way with your very professional, very formal I wouldn't say stilted at all. It was never stilted. It really flowed, but it was very academic. Like you said, first of all, people can't, they don't have the bandwidth right now. Normal people, everyday people don't have the bandwidth right now to sort through that. And then the other thing is once you talk to Catherine, you realize like she's not a stilted person. She's very chatty. She's very friendly. She's very easy to talk to. She's silly. She's funny she's a little snarky sometimes, right? Like, but that wasn't coming through in your content. So our job was to figure out how to help you in a way that felt good for you, shift away from that formal to the more like conversational tone that felt good for you, but also could land with your audience that they could actually absorb. So that's the kind of thing that I really found people needed help with. And that's what got me into this lane. And it's, you actually took it and just, it was like a switch flipped for you. And you were just like, and you just became this really prolific creator because you just had this freedom right so i'll tell you a little bit of the magic
0: behind that was i started speaking so i started just talking out stuff and then i wrote what i said so when i mean this i mean literally i would take the app on my phone do my voice into it and then it would all type for me and of course i'm forgetting what that's called but it's basically is it dragon app. no i don't remember which dragon? one it is it's literally just okay. a notes you could just do your your verbal thing. So if I'd be out taking a walk and I would come up with an idea and I would just talk about the idea. And then it was already typed into the phone and I would just be able to share it. And I think the other piece was podcasting because when you get on a podcast, you talk very differently. Interestingly, one that dropped just before this one is about coaching and is a little more formal because I really am trying to explain different things. So, unlike normal for me, I had an incredibly heavy duty script. And Mm -hmm, I'm feeling it's going to come through in the way I was speaking. I tried to like tack stories in here and there, so it wouldn't be so formal. But it was a subject which I felt really warranted having my thoughts really clear and writing them out. Whereas when we're writing like an e-newsletter, we're trying to touch the soul of the people we're talking to. So it's more casual. And I, one of the things I recently learned, and I really love this, is start in the middle of the story. Oh yeah. And I, that's that's was a favorite. huge shift for me, Jen. It's really, really hard for me to do it. Cause I'm like on Monday while I was walking yeah. and it's like, mm, no, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody, cares. nobody cares that it was Monday. Nobody cares that you were walking, you know, go right into the middle of the story. So when I started this podcast, that's sort of more formal about coaching. I did start with a story about lumber, mm-hmm. listen to the podcast to hear what the story is. But I started right in the middle of the conversation of the story instead of setting the scene.
1: Yeah. The way that I teach that is I call it basically, you're jumping into the middle of the lake. You're not like starting out on the side, dipping your toe in and seeing if it feels good on your legs and then going your belly. And like, nobody cares about that. When you're telling a story, if you can jump people right into the middle of the lake, they're curious. They're like, what is going on here? And then you can fill in the details later if you need to. But a lot of times storytelling, like we don't need all the details that sometimes people give us with a story. Right, So that's another way that when you're doing marketing, like, again, people don't have a lot of time to sift through everything. So jump in the middle of the lake when you've got a story to tell. And then, of course, weave in the voice and the way that you like to use sentence structure and all of those things. And yeah, those are some things you got really good at. Thank you. Thanks. And I
0: enjoy, I enjoy writing now. I like this style. And I think one of the things we should talk about is, is how hard it is. it is. It takes a lot of time to generate content you have some great strategies for how people can take their content and reuse it. And I'd love you to talk yeah. a little bit to that because I feel like I'm
1: finally just doing that now. Yeah. Well, I want to just honor that because you said to me the other day in our group, oh, this is, I'm doing this. And then I repurpose it here. And then I chop it up and use it for social media. And I'm like, that's exactly what I teach. I'm so happy that you're using that. And you kind of, You were like, oh, I've I've been putting a whole bunch of other things in place, and I had it just took me a little bit longer to use your system. And I want to speak to that because as solopreneurs, which I'm sure many of your people are, they're professional people, they have a family, they have businesses, they have a whole bunch of things. To think that we should be doing all of these things the minute we learn them is an impossible task. It's a ridiculous thing that we ask of ourselves. So for example, I've created an offer. I'm excited about my offer, but I need to now put my offer out into the world, which means I have to create a sales page for it. Sales pages take hours to do. Then I've got to have a welcome sequence so that when people come by my offer, then I've got some something to warm them up and make them feel welcome. And then I've got to put social posts out so that people know this offer even exists. That's just like three of the a billion things that you have to do with a new offer. That doesn't even include. Oh, crap. I still need to talk to my regular audience, the people who are already with me. I still need to send out my weekly email and do my weekly posts and my weekly blog and also my podcast and and getting podcast guests on. Oh my God. Of course, all of this stuff takes so long. So it's really important to be gentle with ourselves because there is so much content to create, which is why people get overwhelmed. So one of the things that I've really a strategy that your listeners will have access to. It's a it's a system, it's a three-part system, but I want to break it down because it's really very easy. If you think about something, this, is, this would be for content that you want to create on the regular, like social posts, emails, blogs, YouTube videos, whatever it is you create. It doesn't really matter what platform you're on, but I want you to start thinking about, uh, let's get out of the overwhelm of regular content creation. And I want you to think about a topic that your audience needs to hear. It could be mistakes that they're making or a myth in your industry, or just like, you know, maybe your audience needs to learn boundaries or like some kind of theme, right? Like maybe your people are people pleasers or they're perfectionists, or whatever. You've got a theme, an idea, a topic, a challenge that your audience needs to hear. Just choose one. And that's going to be your, I call it the umbrella topic for next month. Right. You make that piece of, you You have that umbrella co- topic. So for example, for me, planning might be my umbrella topic, right? And then what we do is we take that thing and you have so much to say about that hot, giant topic. So you break that big topic into four mini topics. Right. So for me, it might be like one topic would be like, plan is not a four letter word, right? Number two would be, even if you're creative, you could learn how to plan. Maybe week number three would be, the myths of planning and maybe week number four would be like a story around a client who had success with planning. If I just broke this big topic into four pieces, I now have four weeks of mini content. I- And then I just have to create that one piece of content and I repurpose it in a whole bunch of places each week. So you're not constantly like throwing a curveball at your audience saying this week, I'm talking about planning. And this week I'm talking about money mindset. And this week I'm talking about how to tell a story. Like people can't keep up. So if we give them a month and I call it fish food, right? Like it's, a little, a little bit, they come and they take a bite of it and they go back to their castle in the sand and they eat it. And when they're ready from where they come get it, they don't get bored. I promise your audience isn't going to get bored, but it doesn't have to be this splattery, like softball, This, you know, it just could really be one topic broken down into four or five subtopics. And then you just reuse it everywhere. You don't have to create and recreate and recreate. So that is the simplest system. I actually, what your people will get, your listeners will get is the actual system and they can, it's a fillable PDF. They can actually write right on it. And I give them a bajillion examples Nice. in the piece. They get an example in the PDF. They get an example, but all of the follow-up emails are examples with no upsell. There's not (laughs) selling anything. So they're really just going to get the system and they're going to be able to make it work for them. Right. So that's how my people have learned to really streamline content creation.
0: I I will say I probably don't have a topic per week. I tend to be more a theme per month. And at first I was nervous. I thought people are going to get bored, but they're not. Because the fact is not everybody sees everything when you're scrolling through. So they may only catch your Tuesday post and your Friday post. And by Friday, they've forgotten what they read
1: Tuesday. Right. That's so true. Especially it's important to remember that one to 2% of people on socials see our things, even if they've liked it, even if they want to see it only one to 2%. And then look at your email open rates. So even if you have an email that you're repurposing for social posts, what are your email open rates? Most people's open rates are somewhere between 20 and 30%. So that means a whole bunch of people on your list aren't seeing it. So you can reuse it in a lot of different
0: places. Right. And I'm getting ready to purge my email list because there's so mm-hmm. many people who haven't even opened in 52 mm-hmm. weeks. Why are mm-hmm. they on the list? No. You know, so it's time They're to not, do a major yeah. overhaul. And that's okay. My clientele has yes. changed as I've changed. So I've that's changed right. from that's going right. to organizing offices to productivity and ADHD coaching. Of course, my clientele's changing. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So my readerships, you know, some of them are like, we're bored. This isn't relevant to me anymore. <laughs> and I'm out. No harm, no foul. Yeah, mm-hmm. and no, no, we only want to be talking to the people. Who well, are- I mean, <laughs> it
1: is called it is called the uncluttered office. I mean, it's time to unclutter your email list, right? And yeah. that goes both ways because I wonder how many of your listeners have emails coming in that they don't ever open, and if they just could open that email, hit unsubscribe yeah. once like right at the top, right? Like right there, it's unsubscribe. just unsubscribe. So it's really about uncluttering and decluttering in both ways, like get people off your list, but also whose list are you on that like don't resonate with you anymore?
0: Absolutely, and I've been doing a lot of that. And the place I really hadn't done, it was advertisements from various places. You know, when you buy something yes. once at a store and you never buy there again? So that's when yeah. my latest one, I'm like been psycho about getting rid of, I had um, Carter's. I'm like my kid's been out of Carter's for years. <laughs> Your like, kid's and junior. Are you in high serious? School. She's a, no, she's in high school. She's a junior. That's what I said she's a junior oh, in high school. I thought you said she's in junior high school. I was like, no, she's past <laughs> that. She's a junior in high school. I don't need Carter's, and yeah. I definitely don't see any grandchildren on the horizon anytime soon. Oh, God, let's hope God.
1: <laughs> Rush to that.
0: Yeah, given the career she wants to be, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen right away. So the other thing I want to talk about is now, so now I'm in Content Creator Studio, which is your group. Mm-hmm. And you've gone from, I think mostly you've gone from a one-to-one coaching model to you know what we would call leverage or scaling your business. And I'd love to talk, have you talk a little bit because I've watched some of the process in the background yeah. because we're in some similar groups together. What was has that been like for you? What's the transition like? Oh, and, and the second piece to this, so hold that thought because I'll okay. forget, is I'm noticing that like you're, I know you had done like this launch this summer and you were frustrated by the launch. But what I'm seeing is every day a new person's coming in the group. So it's this like natural oh, evolution. Right. So part one and part two. Sure. Totally well, anti-coaching first-
1: rules. <laughs> Just do a part one and a part <laughs> two. Okay. I, can, I can hold it in my brain. <laughs> the first question is, how did I go from one-to-one coaching to leveraging into groups. Well, I think it's interesting because when you start coaching, all you want is a full book of business, right? Like you just want like, I just want 10 private clients. And then you get your 10 private clients. You're just like, I'm so exhausted. How can I start to leverage this? And that's what happened to me. And I will say as a former high school and college teacher, kind of like running a group or running a program is very easy for me. So I enjoy it. I can teach and look in the chat at the same time and offer a million examples. Like, that's just my, I think that's just from being a teacher. So I was like, how can I do more of this? I feel super alive and I can impact more people and I can also save some time. Because I was getting a little tired. So how was it? It was scary as hell. And it also is one of these things, like we talked about before, you've got this one thing you're trying to create, like I was trying to create my membership, designing it and thinking about it and learning how to create a membership, then the marketing for it, then the launching it. Also, while still taking care of my private clients and all of my audience and showing up for them consistently. So it's, again, it's just this, while you're in the middle of it, it feels heavy. And then eventually things on the private client side eased up because as people ended their contracts, I didn't re up anybody new. So I was just like kind of letting it taper off, which is, I will say it again, scary as hell. But the more space I had from the working the one-on-one, I could grow the, I have a small group mastermind and I have the membership. So I could really like let go of these ramp this up. And I'm going to say it again, people out there in marketing land, they make this sound like it's so easy and you turn the light on in your membership and you turn the light off in your one-on-one coach. And that's just not how it is in real life. So like you have to plan it. You have to be gentle with yourself. You have to live in that limbo of like, Ooh, I don't know if this is going to work. But frankly, if the membership didn't work, I really could always go back to one-on-one coaching, right? Like it wasn't that scary of a thing. So how did it go? It was like this very slow transition. At this point, I only have two private clients. I generally don't work with people one-on uh, in one-off sessions anymore. I have like a three-month minimum. And I I, I really like working with three private clients, right. my mastermind group, and then I I have my membership site. So that's I've gotten very streamlined on my offers, which, you know, again, when you're uncluttering your life, your business, your mind, how many offers can we sustain? How many realistically sustain, right? So how can we streamline our offers, which then also streamlines our marketing and streamlines our content? So it's all about like leaning into the things that feel really good for you, but know that it's kind of a long game. It's not like a a snap your fingers kind of thing.
0: Right. So just as an example, how long have you been making the switch over to the membership group?
1: I started the idea for their membership back in fall 2020. So like November, December, I was really like taking my, um, taking everything in about what it would mean to have a really good membership that didn't overload people. Right. And that's when I did the, the name of it, the branding of it, like kind of planning it out. I launched it in January of 21. And I started with, um, I got 34 people. So that was, uh, to me, that was a huge win for me. Yeah. And they have stayed. So they've done the, uh, so it's pretty sticky. People stay in the membership. I've only like only four people have left for various reasons, mostly time. They just don't have the time to do their marketing. And, and then I relaunched, and this is addressing your second part of your question, I relaunched and I had this like lazy launch idea to do it in the summer. And it would just be like six weeks and I would talk about it. <laughs> no, it was such a bad idea. And so what I should have done was do like a two week launch and be done with it and say like, this is, but when people don't have a deadline, they don't make a change. They don't join. Yeah. So that's just like a, a tip that I want to share with your audience. Like if you're going to do a launch, have it be for a very finite amount of time. Cause it fatigued me. My audience told me that it, didn't fatigue them, but I know that it fatigued some of them. And I probably lost 50 people from my email list because of it. And that's fine. So now I have, I think, 44 people in the membership. So I've grown it. I grew it by 10. My goal is to have 100 at some point by maybe right. the mid, mid-2022. And I have that all planned out like when I will launch again. So that was the, again, your question was about when you finally made the decision and then how should the launch go? Just be really intentional and gentle with yourself about your launch.
0: Right. I hear you. And one of the things we've seen other people do, and we won't get into too much detail, is where they do like a two-week thing and they open up a quick group and you do two weeks of yep. launching and then you shut the card down and that's that. And I love that model. I think that's something that I have in my future me, probably in 2022. Yeah.
1: But you but need the energy training. for that. Yeah. And that's the thing. You need the energy for it and you need to have a plan and you need to have a team working with you. Oh, so, yeah. If you do want to do that model, it's an effective model. I chose to only use my email list for this latest launch. So I wasn't doing like a training and a pop-up Facebook group and giving like free giveaways. I wasn't doing all of that. It was just, I really wanted to just cater to my email list. Which I like. That's great. That's great. So I always wrap these
0: with a productivity pointer. And you had mentioned beforehand about reverse engineering. And I guessing, it's sort of like keeping the end in mind. So for me, like when I have, when you're getting gearing up for a launch, the end in mind is that last day of the cart, right? So now you've got to work backwards on your calendar and plan which pieces you have to have in place by when. And as entrepreneurs, you know, no one's telling us when we have to do anything. So we have to be really good about holding to our own deadlines. So talk to me about reverse engineering in
1: content. Yeah, so my my favorite, it's very easy to put off creating content for your business. And the way that I've started talking about it is like your business is not an English muffin. Like we don't want to find marketing in the nooks and crannies of your business. Like you should not be sitting at your kid's table, feeding them chicken nuggets, doing your marketing. Like that doesn't feel good for anybody. So I know that it's one of the easiest things to sweep under the rug. Instead, I want you to think about in the next month, what do you want your content and your marketing to do for you? What is it that you want? So like, are you launching? Do you just simply want to establish yourself in the marketplace? Do you want to attract and engage more viewers or listeners or followers? Like, do you have a workshop that you're trying to fill? What is it you want your content to do for you? And once you know that, like, oh, so for example, if I had a planning workshop, a planning and batching workshop, which I often offer. So if I were having that offer, it would make so much sense to write all my content around planning and batching and how to do that and the importance of it and you know, oh and look I have this this first program that I'm filling up so when, that creates so much productivity for me when I just am like what do I want it to do for me what am I optimizing for and then I just back into the corner and do that rather than like waking up going, oh, crap, what should I put on Instagram today? Oh, maybe I'll talk about my kids weekend. Like, no, 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 no. Be, be intentional. Mm-hmm. And I know that you do that with your work too. It's like, what are we, what's the goal we're trying to achieve? Because if you're trying to achieve, you know, a harmonious office or a cleaned out inbox or whatever it is, that's where we start. And that's all you have to focus on. You don't have to do all the things.
0: Exactly. I had a client today who's having a really tough day, just really could not focus in, was very apologetic. And I said, So we have two options here. One, we can call it and we'll just talk another time. And I totally honor, she's not feeling well, like truly Mm -hmm. physically not Mm -hmm. feeling well. And I said, Or I can sit here with you in this space and we can kind of just figure out how we're going to do today. Mm -hmm. What's the rest of today going to look like for you and make it yummy so that you can start to feel better? and we can pick up again next week. You know what? The world isn't going to end because today we talked about today. Yeah. You know? So,
1: and that's all you you were trying to do, like reverse engineering.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, exactly. It's reverse engineering. It's like, let's get you into a happy place so that next week we can really
1: tackle the work. And that's okay. It's like stepping out your front door to just go do errands. What errands do you have to do? Where are these errands? Are there things along the way that you could like bang, bang, bang? Like, oh, the coffee shop is where I have to pick up a gift certificate next to the post office. And then I can stop in at Dick's and pick up my kid, his cleats that he needs. Like if you don't, if you just step out your door and say, I'm going to do some errands, you're going to drive around your city or town. And that's, I think what a lot of people
0: do with content creation. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. You know, going in circles. Yes, a little here, a little there, and not, yes. you know I really learned that during the time when gas prices shot up so much, and then I really yes. started to get psycho about planning, what am I going to hit along the way? Where are the places I'm going to go? I really try now. I mean, the pandemic. I barely leave my house. But when it was, you know, I was out and about driving everywhere, I would try to batch it. So perfect example. I have to see an oncologist every six months because I'm a cancer survivor. Right. I have a very dear friend who's down in that area. I always make sure that's the day we have lunch. (laughs) Right. So I go for my appointment, which is fine. There's nothing bad. I mean, I'm a six year cancer survivor. It's fine. But then I have this really fun, yummy lunch with a business colleague, and we talk and we catch up. And, you know, I don't have to make a special separate trip to go down there.
1: Yeah. Batching your errands is just like batching your content. And this is how, you know, we all want more energy. We all want more time. We all want more money. And, I will just say one more thing before we get off is I hear a lot pushback from very creative people who say to me, but I'm creative and I'm not a good planner and I want to be spontaneous. And I want to tell you one, that's a big story that you have that you can't do it because I promise you, there's nothing wrong with you that you can't do it. It just, it might take effort. It might take the right tool for you. And that's exactly what you're great at helping people. And and, and PS, I'm creative and have ADHD. So if I can do it. (laughs) If you can do it, anybody can do it. You're my poster child, right? And then the second thing is there's freedom in the planning, like the only reason that I can go out to the lake. And I know it's the same with you. The only reason I can go out to the lake on a Friday afternoon or a Tuesday afternoon is because I know that Monday mornings is my content creation day. And that's when I do the thing. And so it actually gives me much more freedom. And it's just a mindset shift that people need to make who have this old story running, but like Catherine's got a great point. If she can do it, anybody can do it. Pretty much. Anyway, this is awesome. Jen, how can people find you? Oh right! So I'm on the socials. You can find me at Jen Liddy Coach. I'm a one N Jen, so Jen Liddy Coach. And then I have a special planner for your audience, in which they can find at jenliddy.com forward slash plan. Just P L A N, lowercase P. And it's super easy. It just is so much easier than everybody thinks it is. And if you get that planner, just you can really start to use it immediately. Even if you don't open the planner, which a lot of people download a freebie and don't open it, the emails that you get kind of break it down for you with tons of examples. So whether you have a service-based product or or a product-based business, there's lots of examples and ways to do this. So I really want to make it easy because your audience needs your stuff so, so, so much. And this one stupid thing should not keep you from having what you want. Couldn't agree with you more. Thanks so much, Jen. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye, Catherine. Bye,
0: everybody. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Catherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week.
1: This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM Network. Sound Advice FM.